I recently saw a poll on LinkedIn asking how willing people would be to return to networking in the near future. The results at a whopping 81% in favour did not surprise me as it was a resounding yes. In fact, for those that are keen to return to start meeting people at events, you will be greeted by the very friendly face of our next guest, Sandra Garcia. Sandra is an executive PA, business connector and writer with an MA in English literature. She's also the connector host of one of London's thriving business communities. If you want to know more about her and how she can help your business, then join us after the introduction. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Coke, and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time as well as asking them to pick a book, a film and a favourite single or album and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at the Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. The Cashflow Show. Hello, Sandra, and welcome to The Cashflow Show. Hi, Clayton. How are you doing today? I'm fine. My voice is slightly uh, deeper because last couple of weeks I've had bronchitis. I'm, I'm fine, but my vocal cords have changed slightly. <laughs> well, we're hoping that at least by the end of this conversation, we won't wear you out too much, but you'll get some no, more... No, 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 I'm fine. <laughs> you'll I'm get fine. some more fans of your voice in the meantime. So... <laughs> Tell us, Sandra, who you are and a little bit more about your business. I work as an executive assistant for my for, for my clients, but they also explore my uh, creative side. So they do ask me to, to assist them with anything to do with marketing. And of course, because I've got a, an MA in literature focusing on creative writing, clients ask me to write blogs for them, which is great. That's my favorite part of um, the work I do for clients. But basically a client will, will actually employ my executive assistant services, if that makes sense. Excellent. Yes, that does. So I have to give full disclosure and say I've known you for quite a few years via networking, but we've never had the opportunity to really sit down and chat. We seem to pass each other going in and going out of places, but we've no, never had... Yeah. <laughs> we walk past each other, smile, say hello, you know. <laughs> I know you, but we, we never had the chance to sit down and talk. I know you mostly from organising business events. Yeah. How did that come about? Well, you know, because I used to be an in-house PA, and of course you have to organise events, but uh, they're quite different, different to business networking events. So when I started freelancing, I was working for a law firm and I knew that the principal of the law firm wanted to set up his own business networking events. So he approached the company and but it, it turned out to be quite expensive. And so he talked to me about it, but not r realizing that maybe I could help him. He thought that I could help him find someone to do the job. Uh, so I said, well, how about if I do it? I'll do it for one month for free. And if I fail, you haven't, you know, I haven't lost anything. 
but if you're happy with what I do, then I will do it for you. And so I did it for six years and I love to, I, lo I love to do it. And I really wanted to jump at the chance because, well, I like a party. I like organizing <laughs> events. <laughs> I like to be surrounded by people. And, um, and I was just really, really excited, but I didn't know what it entailed. So I was really very fresh into this new concept of organizing business networking um, events. So uh, I helped, he already had a database, but I tried to enrich his database with some interesting connections that I had in um, with LinkedIn. And um, that that's it. I did it for uh, six years um, for this law firm. And then um, it, it basically my work with with the law firm came to an end and um i decided i thought i'm really really going to miss organizing events and i thought well shall i look for another law firm or another company that will um employ my services as an event organizer or shall i just go ahead and do it myself which was quite scary but i had to build a, a database from scratch and I did it with LinkedIn and and that's it. So that's how I started it. This was in 2019, but of course, after a few months, um, it was, it was very, I, I was very happy with the events and the number of um, guests at the events. Because it's quite scary when you organize an event and then you just wait for people to buy tickets. And then, of course, sometimes people buy tickets and then they cancel. So you have to obviously refund them the ticket. And it's quite nerve wracking until, you know, um, the day comes and you, you, you obviously you, you're at the venue and you know that you've got 30, 35, 40 people coming along. And it's it's very exciting, but it can be quite a little bit stressful. <laughs> you mentioned 2019 of when you started to get into this. Now, we're obviously now in 2022, yeah. and a lot has changed since then. How has yeah. it changed for you? Yeah, well, um, well I'll, I'll go back a little bit and I'll say that. So I started in doing my own events in August 2019, and it was very exciting because it turned out that loads of people were interested. But in March, I had to cancel. In March 2020, I had to cancel the events and refund uh, people who had bought tickets because obviously the, the uh, lockdown came along and spoiled things for us. <laughs> Saved a lot of lives, I would say. But um, so what I did immediately in March 2020, because I was basically scared that I would lose momentum with people who were interested in the events. I just started to run events online from March 2020. But I have to say, I wasn't a fan of it. And I had to think of um, uh, the format, if the format was interesting. And people began to lose interest after a while. They were just, the the. I think they coined this new word. They were zoomed out. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, it, it, because it's... Um, it's great. It's very practical to have Zoom, but if you're constantly doing it, um, 
after a while, you know, I think people were also a bit traumatized with the fact that we couldn't meet family or friends or anything like that. And then doing meetings, business networking events via, via Zoom, it was just the idea that all of a sudden the, the world had become a bit too digitalized and 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 I don't think the human race was prepared for that so uh, so people just lost interest and and me personally not only did I see the loss of interest but I was really fed up with it as well so in the end I actually stopped and uh, I think I stopped around uh, 2021 but uh, I think I don't know if it was July or August I can't remember and I thought, you know what, I'm I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm just waiting until we we can get back into action properly. But um, came January 2022, we were able to uh, meet, but I contracted COVID, so I had to cancel my event uh, a, a, a week before. Oh. No. And and I thought, right, I'll leave I'll leave February. I asked different guests, what do you think? And and they all said maybe leave it until March. So the first event uh, post pandemic was was in in March. Now the interesting thing I've because I I've already ran March and April's event, so the third event will be next week because uh, I I run one event a month. And what I'm finding different about at least March and April is that people leave it to the very, very last minute. Um, and there are, and I've asked why to a few people and they've said, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if tomorrow there's going to be another lockdown or, or if I'm going to get sick or, um, or they're feeling a little bit uncomfortable about traveling. But then at the last minute, they just decide, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and get a ticket and and, and go to an event. So they, I, I think people are actually making decisions about meeting face-to-face at the last minute rather than actually plan it out. I think that's, that's- true. I think that's true. I think the the problem that we have is we've got so many people who – to a certain extent, have been slightly traumatised. Yeah, yeah. They've been thrust into a situation where they don't know what's going to happen on a day-by-day basis. Yeah, yeah. And they're confused. They've been told, you you know, when you're a kid, you're told, don't meet people, don't talk to strangers. Yeah. And then you get into business, and then people say, you need to talk to people, you need new faces, you need to meet strangers. And then the government comes along and says, you can't meet people, you can't meet your family, and you can't meet strangers. So... People are genuinely confused. I think leaving yeah. it till the last minute, I've done that. No, I was going to say, it's not even just confused. So I went to a fantastic event yesterday, a lunch event, where I talked to a few people about it. And I actually said it, and, and people were in agreement that I think we were suffering slightly from post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. Now, a specialist might say, no, that's not it. But I honestly believe that we are because, and also because no matter how sociable and gregarious you are, for two years, you weren't exercising those skills because there's your social skills are skills that need to be used. You know, you have to keep practicing what whatever skills you've got. So if you're quite sociable and gregarious and um, you, People sometimes think that it comes naturally 
for you, but it doesn't. People do work hard at being, you know, sociable and gregarious and polite, etc. So um, going to business networking events, because if you look, if you think back at the very first time you attended an event, you were quite nervous about it. Yes. You know, you were probably didn't know what to do with your hands. And then after the 10th time, you were you were a pro and you knew that if you got nervous with what, whatever you were doing with your hands, you know, you buy yourself a glass of wine or, or juice and, and there you go and, and you get rid of that uh, awkward nervousness that you have with your hands. So you just develop, um, you know, the ability to enter a room, to, you know, to scan the room, to, and to go up and talk to people. That's, those are things that we learn in business. Exactly. You know, it's not, it's not just a party. Exactly. But yeah, if you're not true. doing it, you, if you're not doing it for two years, it's strange that you actually do lose it. And almost trying to get back to square one yes so i think i think people are affected by that as well okay indeed coming to you from the city of london i'm going to put you on the spot with a couple of questions and the first one is <laughs> what do you think apart from the one that you probably did last week what's the best ever event that you've done that i've done that, that i've attended yeah I, I will, I'll start off with what, what you think that you've done and what, what do you think that made it special? What's in it? Have you got an event that you've done that stuck out in your mind and you thought to yourself, wow, that was a good event? <laughs> yeah. Do you know, there was, uh, am I allowed to mention names? <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, be free. Right. <laughs> I always remember this one event and I thought, I wish all events could be like this, this one. So it was an event in um, the the name of the venue was Brook, Brooks Brothers um, in Chancery Lane. So Chancery Lane is great. It makes you feel quite successful just just exiting the the tube. In, 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 and, and we should that, and we should it. and we should say. And sorry to interrupt you. We should exp explain because sometimes when we have podcasts, obviously there's people listening from around the world. And Chancery yeah. Lane is a street in the central or. Um, uh, in in the city of London, and uh, not actually in the city, more in the West End, I would say. Chancery yeah, Lane. yeah, Most it's sort of like border, yeah, border exactly. between the city of London and the West End. But the, the what Chancery Lane is known for is known for its affiliation to the legal profession. So basically, yeah. all the legal bigwigs tend to hand hang out in Chancery Lane. If if hanging out yeah. is what they do, um, and uh, don't forget the jewelries, the, the jewelers as well, and diamonds and all of that. That's so right. Because they're, for that as yeah. well. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So yeah, I think there's. Um, I think some goldsmiths and silversmiths that occupy Chancery Lane as well. So yeah. um, uh, it's it's a place full of money. Um, uh, that's the easiest way to describe it. Yeah. So imagine little old me going into a place full of money in in the capital of uh, the United Kingdom. <laughs> it's it's great. You know, I'm saying this because I'm Portuguese. You see, um, I'm a Portuguese national. I'm a British national as well, but I'm a Portuguese national. So it's it's really something. It does something to your psyche. And um, and Brooks Brothers used to be a fantastic venue with this amazing aquarium. Um, it was just so beautiful. And uh, so they served, so I organized the event uh, that, uh, for, for the law firm, uh, serving buffet lunch. And, um, and we had a speaker, and her name is Joanna Godoyne. 
basically talking about how how to behave and what to do at business networking events. I actually filmed it because I thought she was an absolutely brilliant speaker. And we had, I can't remember if it was around 45 people in attendance. So I thought that was the best event. But I wouldn't say... Ah, uh, that's that's an interest. That's an interesting one because Joanna Godoyne has been a guest on the Cashflow Show, so she's been yeah. a predecessor to you. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So yeah, she she is very good, and um, a big shout out to Joanna. Yeah, no, she's a she's a brilliant speaker, and you see, when you organize events, sometimes it's almost luck, you know. So I was lucky that Joanna said yes to coming to the event not all speakers are great speakers but she happens to be and she's a very beautiful woman so she looks fantastic as a speaker i'm sorry if that's a bit politically incorrect but you know you've got no no i i'd agree with that you've got the skill you've got the skills you've 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 got the presentation she dresses beautifully she's beautifully present uh, you know presents herself beautifully and um brooks brothers happen to have, you know, they used to be very good caterers as well. You know, you don't always get a venue where they cater properly. And um, yeah, and it was uh, the people that attended, you know, it was a wide variety of um, industries, lawyers, accountants, um, you know, just, just a wide variety of people. So that makes it, and of course, the principle of the, the law firm, because I'm not a big, I'm not big on public speaking. I need to work on that. Okay. And, um, even if to say thank you very much for coming, <laughs> I find it very hard to do. But I really have to work on that. So that's a, a huge flaw of mine. It's not a. Fl- it's not a flaw. It's not a flaw. I mean, the problem with public <laughs> speaking is you either like it or you don't like it or you basically anybody can learn to do anything but the problem is is that if you don't want to do it in the first instance learning it to me is no is no point at all if you know if you don't want to basically be a person that you know does you know runs a marathon if you hate running then you know yes you could learn to do it but do you want to do it the fact is yeah I like public speaking it makes me feel good but the fact is, is that if it doesn't yeah, make you yeah. feel, I've got the philosophy now at this stage in my life is that if something doesn't make me feel good, I'm not going to do it. So, you know, don't necessarily be yeah. that hard on yourself because the reality of it is that not everybody <laughs> is you. cut out for everything. You know, there are certain things, for example, I'll let you into a secret. When Joanna Godoyne was on the, um, uh, on the cash flow show on a previous episode, she says that she doesn't like watching movies. <laughs> Right. Okay. So you might think, wow, that's weird. That's different. But everybody's different in how they approach. He doesn't like watching. I remember that from that episode quite clearly and quite distinctly. But so we can't always, I think this idea of somebody being good at everything, and especially in business, it's incredibly rare. Whatever skills I have that made it a great event, I would say it wasn't particularly my skills. Uh, I was proactive, obviously, with with everything. You find it because I I found the venue myself and uh, and found uh, Joanna. But but then they also accepted my proposal, my invitation. So so I had a lot in in my favor. And of course, if you're running a business networking event for a law firm people are more attracted to it as opposed to if you're on your own, you know, if you're just an executive assistant. 
Um, oh, of course. I mean, uh, people are like, why, why would I want to go to to a business networking event? Uh, you know, run by an executive assistant. Yes, but that's not that's not so true. I I, I would disagree no. with you there, and I'll tell you why. Not because I oh, think that you do, because <laughs> I've got a huge complex. No, I don't think you should. <laughs> what people want to know, as a person who attends networking events, is there a venue? Can I get to it easily? Number one. Number two. I am I going to meet people who are going to help my business? or I can connect with them and we can help each other. Number three, have you got decent wine? That's my, you know, <laughs> if you haven't got decent wine, I'm probably not coming to your gig. That's um, <laughs> as simple as that. And number four, I think if people get things like food and stuff like that, that can help, but you know, depending on, depending on the situation and what's surrounding it, but they want to know who you know, can those people help them? And there is gonna be decent food and drink. If I did, you'd break it down into three areas. Now, because you've got connections, you're connected to a few people, a good few people. People are going to want to come to meet with you to your event because they know those people are going to be there. Yeah, that's why I actually added Business Connector to my LinkedIn title. Because I thought I want them to understand, particularly as an executive assistant or a PA, um, PAs, they, they meet a lot of people. They're constantly in contact with people. So um, so I, I wanted people to understand that. So maybe I should be a bit more positive about um, whether people are attracted to my events, regardless of the fact that I'm just an executive assistant. It's, Probably being an executive assistant isn't a bad thing at all. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's the title that's important. That What's important is have you got people in that room that A, are going to talk to me, B, want to consider doing business with me? Yeah, yeah. And this, this, right. these are the things. Well, I mean, I built my business on networking. I mean, sometimes I used to network two or three times in a day. I'd go to a breakfast meeting, I'd go to a lunch meeting, I'd go to an evening meeting. And, you know, before um, uh, we had pandemics and COVID or whatever, I'd get up in the morning, rush to an event, then come back, do some work, then go to another lunchtime event, then rush back, <laughs> do a bit yeah, more work, then go out again. So that's how you get, yeah, that's how you get business. Exactly. And like, you know, with my, with my, uh, and I, I always tell people this, because um, some people go to business networking events to find a client. And if they don't find the client, that's it. You know, they don't want to do it anymore. And, and, and I always tell them, go to business networking events to connect with people, to find the rapport with probably even somebody, you know, that you don't want to buy from them. They don't want to buy from you. But if, you've, if you connect with them in the right way and you build some kind of uh, relationship, some kind of rapport, they will remember you. All my clients today, I've been in business for nine years, and in nine years, all my clients have been referrals, people who've just remembered me when they met somebody who needed my services. And I, I have been spoiled by, by referrers. And, and even with my uh, networking events, um, so I initially built my database using LinkedIn, but then the people who attend the events, they actually introduce the events to their friends and their colleagues. And so the, the my database has really, well, doubled 
because of the people who attend the events. Of course, but remember, I think the problem with LinkedIn is people people treat it like Tinder. They think that they go, I know that I've ever been on Tinder, so I better disclaim that very quickly before it all okay. starts to kick off. Um, <laughs> the, the reality of the situation is, is that people go on there expecting to find an instant match and referring to the point that you're already making. But people don't go on LinkedIn to build relationships. What they do is they see that person and they think, you're good for business, I can get your money and that will boost my bonus for the end of the month or that will increase my sales targets for the end of the month. And they don't see that once you've sold that item to that person, you are going to meet that person again. And if you've sold somebody something that was completely unsuitable and complete rubbish, then when you meet them again, it's going to be embarrassment all around. Embarrassment for them because they want to tell you what they think of you. Embarrassment for you because you know what you've done. Now, the reality of the situation is I see where going to LinkedIn and then trying to, I think I use LinkedIn in a completely different way. I use LinkedIn as a backup to what I already know. The first thing is to get the connection with the person. Now, because there are lots of times they don't have a service that I want. That's not a problem. But there are other people I think, oh, you, for example, you know, I, I might meet a person, let's call him John. And John specializes in mortgages. I may know somebody who's in a position where they want to get mortgages on three or four properties. That could be a connection for two people. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I get introduced, most people in, in terms of what I do, which is late payments and debt recovery. I see people and, you know, they will say, oh, somebody mentioned you to me somewhere. And it's always some secret person and, you know, who doesn't want to divulge their name or something, some very sort of undercover business. But that's what's helped to facilitate and grow our business because people remember you. Because what you want in, in, in networking is sincerity, honesty you know, kindness. And I think people forget those things because when you go into a room, networking people can be quite clicky, can't they? They can't, it can be quite clicky. Yeah. Every once in a while I do find that, which is um, odd. Um, I find (laughs) that quite odd, but you know, the, the, and if I, I, I'll say it and people will probably disagree with me because so sometimes I'll say, you know, I love to organize a party. And and I I see business networking uh, events like a party, but a party uh, with uh, guests who are business people, you know. It's like a business party. Of course it is. Where you, you're supposed to go there and to actually enjoy it. Yes. And, which is why people, will, if you drink alcohol, people will go and and they look forward the first thing they want to do is to buy to buy a, a glass of wine or and then sometimes some people are quite generous and they'll buy a bottle and share it by people that they've never met before but it actually makes it really really good fun and i think you should do that you should actually have fun at business networking events yeah i agree with you i think the problem that people have is i've done some networking events which i've organized via the company and I've always had the reality for me, the idea has always been that I'm going to pay for the drink, pay for whatever nibbles or food or whatever that I can provide. But I just want you to be in a room together 
with people who are open-minded, who want to make connections, who want to get to know each other. You don't have to buy from anybody. You don't have to sell to anybody. You just have to be a decent human being. That's what I want people to do. And that's what I love people to do, you know, because at the end of that, people say to me when I did, I've done about three. And people would come up and say, oh, did you get any business from it? Maybe. I didn't count it as business. What I wanted to do was to reward the people that um, uh, have supported me. I wanted to encourage people who I know are good networkers to come along to spread their influence and to then introduce them to other people who I knew could benefit from the work that they do. So everybody could actually, it was a win, win, win all around for everybody who turned up. But at the end of the day, you were under no pressure. The fact is you came in, you had a drink, you had two, three, four, five drinks, whatever, you know, and, and you, but what you did was to make yourself available to the opportunities that came as a result of it. I'll give you an example as one of my clients who got loads of business, really, really good business from somebody that he met at a business networking um, event. And all they did was talk about cricket. Yes. And they don't talk about business. They talk about cricket because the two of them are absolutely obsessed with it. But they they send each other um, clients, you know, so it worked for the two of them because they connected with someone, had a really good time talking to the person. They followed up, you know, great to meet you because people forget that, forget to send an email. Sometimes people send them an email to a whole list of people, which I really think it's wrong. You have to do it individually. If it takes you an hour, do it. It's worthwhile. You know, great to meet you last night or, or this afternoon and uh, phone calls sometimes. But when you follow up properly with the people that you've really enjoyed talking to at, a, at an event, they will remember you. Of course. You have to remember them as well because this is, you know, you give and take. You don't just take and give nothing. So um, you, you have to um, show appreciation for for referrers. Your best friends in business, I think, are, are referrers. People who will refer um, business will send clients your way. Okay. Those are the those are the ones that you have to reward to be nice to. I wanted to ask the question, which is, what's the worst thing you've seen done at a networking event? <laughs> now you, please there's no need for you to expose anybody or put yourself no. in a compromising position do not name names because i will probably know them please do not no i won't i won't name names but the first thing that came came to mind was somebody who got um a lady who was so uh, had one too many and and um got carried away with um, a man who had one too many as well. And suddenly I felt like I had a couple of teenagers at the, at the event. And, and I really felt like coming up and say, look, you know, can you play to please take that outside? (laughs) I I just thought it was so inappropriate. And also because it's uh, as the event organizer, it's, it's embarrassing because because people that come to the event and see it and are uncomfortable with that, they think, well, you know, you should 
they, the first thing they think is probably, well, the event organizers should do something about this. But I couldn't. I, I just couldn't do it. I, but but uh, I, I was a bit embarrassed and I thought it was very inappropriate. So that that's the worst. Well, I've heard many people say that in order to do business with people that you got to know, like them and trust them. But I think that maybe is taking it a bit too far. Oh, yes. They, yeah, they liked each other way too much. <laughs> With the influence of alcohol, it was just... Indeed. Not not, not a good sight. That's all I can think of that, you know, was, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what <laughs> comes to mind. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you as well... Um, <laughs> I'm curious about your role as an executive PA. We've concentrated very heavily on the networking side and we may come back to that at some point. Uh -huh. But obviously your role is as an executive PA. And so how does that work? Because that's a role that has expanded over the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and especially with technology and especially even now post lockdown, there are a lot of people out there who are, you know, are basically pursuing that as a career choice. So, number one, how did you get into it? And number two, how does or what does the role actually involve? Right. So it was about 20 years ago, maybe. Yeah, just 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 20 years ago, I started as, as a personal assistant, an in-house PA to directors, etc. And. So I've always um, developed, looked to develop and to grow um, in, in, in business and in life in general, to be honest. So I didn't start. My first job was never, you know, my first job was working as a, as a nanny looking after children. And then I went up years later, went on to just start uh, uh, as an admin assistant and then realized that what, what PAs did and thought, oh my goodness, I, I can actually do that and earn twice as much. So uh, I did a couple of courses and got my first job as a PA. And um, and, and I was a, an in-house PA for 10 years. Now, an in, being an in-house PA, the first 10 years of my career as a PA was, it was very, um, what's the word? Um, it was just your, your normal, traditional PA and now there's no such thing if there is such a thing as a traditional pa you you probably can't do it as do it as a freelancer certainly not do it the way i do it with the all the other skills that i've got um to to, to bring more into my role but you're a, a pa what does a pa a traditional pa do she but she or he uh type at least 60 words a minute and they've got their microsoft um, office skills and of course you have to have organizational skills and um, and that's basically it you know you have to know how to um, file and uh, all of that but the world has changed hasn't it for the last 10-15 years since well actually even longer probably yeah about 15 years at least since the introduction of uh, well since we could have laptops and there was the internet and uh um, things have changed and with social media, particularly with businesses tapping into social media and how you can actually 
advertised for free just by using social media. Uh, things have changed. Now, if you're a PA, but you want nothing to do with social media, you're you're cutting it a bit slim with your chances of getting work. Yes, indeed. Because now it's a it's an attractive skill, you, you know, to to. So if you go for a job as a PA and they ask you, uh, how do you feel about social media? You can just say, oh, I love social media. I love LinkedIn. I love, you know, love it. You don't have to say anything else because they will employ you because of that, because they will need your skills as a, or at least your passion for social media to then post on LinkedIn and on Twitter and all of that. So you have to, you can't just turn your back on any in on what's new in the world. And social media is a, a, a big thing. And you and also the other thing is like say with uh, LinkedIn, you have to respect the fact that times change. So when LinkedIn was just professional, um it was all good you know because you knew you had to uh, uh interact with people or, or post anything that had to strictly to do with your business but it, it but but people began to complain about linkedin because it's become quite facebookish even i complained about it but <laughs> you have to you have to move move along with the times if it, it's become that way then so be it mm. i I um, was uh, um, doing campaigns for for a, a client, and the campaigns only got like five likes or ten likes. So I told this this client who was in the Caribbean. I said, "How would you like to actually post something with pictures of yourself and the family in the Caribbean?" He said, "Oh, I don't know," but in in the end, he said, "All right, go ahead and do it," and he had over a hundred likes <laughs> with these pictures of the Caribbean of where he was and that he was, you know, he, he, he did a selfie um, in the sun and he had also loads of contacts getting in touch with him and, um, and just picking up where they left off two or three years ago. So it proved to be actually really, really, really good. And this is the thing I find really crazy. <laughs> you can post about your business. You can post about, you know, the work that you're doing, the success that you're having. But then if somebody sees you next to a Lamborghini and you get 500 likes. Yeah, yeah. This is madness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you have to kind of respect it at the same time. You you, you hate it, but you have to learn not to hate I I hated it. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, I I, I get it. I yeah. get it. This is this is how it is now. I get that too, but it's not that I hate it. It's just that I don't understand it because this is the reason why influencers then create problems for people because the difficulty is, is an influencer is doing something which is so totally unremoved from real life and people are posing in situations which are totally unremoved from their real life or totally removed from their real yeah. life. And people are then saying, yeah, this is great. This is fantastic. And it's completely yeah. fake. But I suppose, yeah, as yeah. I said, because he's, you know, if I, I would be the guy that you would say, oh, would you like to post your holiday on the carrier? And I'd be saying, hell no. <laughs> There's no, no way I'm doing it. it does, if, I don't care if it gets me 100 likes. You know, it needs to get me 100,000 yeah. pounds. That's what it needs to get me <laughs> before I start doing that crazy. No, there's got to be a line, a demarcation between you, your business 
and where people then step over it. I've got a friend of mine. She said, yeah, Clayton, what you need to do is that when you're working at home, you need to show a picture of you walking around, getting a coffee or whatever. I said, I ain't no Paris Hilton. What is this? You know? But, but I guarantee that if you do that, if you do an amazing video, you, you know, pottering around the house and, and working at the same uh, as well, you'll probably get a lot of, you know, in, uh, interaction. I know. Um, th that's what's scary. That's what's scary. And yeah, as yeah. I said, it's it's that way of people exposing themselves to an incredible way in order to get yeah, likes. Yeah. And oh, I don't know. It's, um, but you have to know, you have to know how to, you know, um, I don't even know if it's understand it, but to at least accept, first of all, that this is how things are now. Yeah. And you either get with it or you don't. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it, it's true. It's true. There's yeah. probably no place for old duffers like me. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and you, you'll you come across even even older if you, if you just, uh, not only do you not do it, but you also uh, will, will just not accept it. Yeah, fair enough. And I've had quite a few uh people um contacting me and asking you know basically saying oh you know i'd like to be a, a personal assistant freelance or a virtual assistant and you know just basically do some of what i do and um and and they've asked me for advice and and i've told them exactly the same thing i've told them uh, apart from all the skills that you have as a personal assistant don't forget social media and what goes on online and the digital world. You have to be up to date with the digital world and how people interact on, interact online yeah. because that will really help you to get clients who will probably only employ you to, um, um, to run their social media uh, campaigns. Yeah, true. You'll be surprised. True. Yeah. How many? How many people will actually have one client? That's all I do for for, um, for, for their um, for the businesses. I do social media campaigns, and I write blogs. Um, I write articles for 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 their blog um, on 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 their website. If you if you can write. Uh, it's even better okay, because cool. you're doing all these extra things that your traditional PA wouldn't normally do. But if you don't do it, you 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 know you don't have as many chances of getting work as you would knowing how to use social media and and even better if you know how to write okay, and, cool. and and do blogs. The Cash Flow Show, coming to you from the city of London. Real people, real business. Real talk. Right now. <laughs> Sandra, we've come to the moment of truth. This is the section that we call, what are you like? Where we try and find out a bit more about you as a person and as a personality. Now, you've made some very interesting choices for your favorite book, which I found fascinating. I don't know if you remember what they are, but I'll, I'll see if I can jog your memory. You mentioned Nick Mason's Inside Out, <laughs> which I found very fascinating as a choice, because for those that don't know, Nick Mason is the drummer of Pink Floyd. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, what inspired well, you to uh make that choice? Well, first of all, I've been into Pink Floyd since I was about, what, 13, 14 years old. Okay. So cool. I'm a diehard Floydie. <laughs> I met Dave Gilmore, and I've got a picture with Dave, uh, David Gilmore, the okay. guitarist. 
So I am obsessed with Pink Floyd. Um, and and Nick Mason, Mason is a brilliant drummer. Okay. But he he when when you see him being interviewed, he speaks, you know, he's very eloquent, but he's um he sounds very posh. <laughs> but, but those guys, the, the, all those guys who went to, they're usually public school guys. The guys from Genesis, they all came from Charterhouse. So yeah, all those come... They're, they're, they're middle class, yes. upper middle class. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you can be upper middle class and be really annoying <laughs> and have nothing to say for yourself or when... You, you're middle class and you speak with an accent that seems really forced and 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 you the language is so forced so I've, i find it quite annoying mm. i love linguistics so i'm always paying attention to language i don't i'm not particularly critical but it's just that sometimes but nick mason is just so natural very very natural so when and and of course I I bought the book mm -hmm. to, and and wanted to read it because I believe that he'd probably be a, um, a decent writer, um, but also because I wanted to read about the history of the Pink Floyd, mm. and and of course about uh, Sid Barrett. I I just wanted to know a bit more about Sid Barrett coming from Nick Mason rather than some kind of documentary, and he. It, he he is so witty. It's almost Monty Pythonish, you know. He's he's very very witty. Is he, he almost every single page made me either giggle or just really laugh or smile. And he is a beautiful. Be, his writing is absolutely beautiful. He should be a writer. Yeah. It, it is very very beautiful how how he writes. It, it doesn't. It is not um your normal drum or a musician that wrote a, an autobiography is not because I've written out, uh, I've read others. He's actually, you know, he should have been, he should have been an author. Mm. He writes that well. So uh, very, okay. various reasons why I, I chose us. And of course that was the last book I read. So I, I chose that one. But That's interesting because he is the only person that has been in all iterations of Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the only person that's been there from the beginning. So this is a slight diversion because you didn't put this on your list, but I wanted to ask you, what's your favorite Pink Floyd album? Oh my goodness, it's so difficult, but it's uh, probably Wish You Were Here. Okay, that's the um, uh, sort and of And I can tell you why. Okay. If I have to pick one, I'd say Wish You Were Here, but any album pre the wall, are the albums I listen to. Okay. The ones I listen to the most are Medal, Wish You Were Here, Animals, A Saucer Full of Secrets. Wish You Were Here because the guitar, every time, the Shine On You Crazy Diamond song, every time I hear that first, you know, the chords. Your first four notes. I can't, remember, I can't remember if it's nine minutes. <laughs> I used to know. Yeah. Off the top of my head, how, but I can't remember now how many minutes it is. But the guitar sometimes actually makes me, uh, brings tears to my eyes or makes my skin, you know, like mm. makes me shiver. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if I have to really have to choose one, I'll choose uh, Wish You Were Here. Okay, excellent. So you've also chosen, as far as books are concerned, Shakespeare's Hamlet. And we'll come back to that in a minute. Okay. 
because that involves another question I'd like to ask you. But you also use Ray Franz's Crisis of Conscience. I had to look this one up. And uh-huh. he, he was the, I'm led to believe he was a Jehovah's Witness who got expelled. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, that's correct. Okay. So what was interesting yeah. about his story for you? Right. So now you, uh, Clayton, oh, are dear. going to change are going to change my life here. And this is because I can't tell you about it without telling you that I was one of Jehovah's Witnesses for oh. years. Oh, right. Okay. And then and then I read Crisis of Conscience because I had quite a few questions that I couldn't get an answer to. And so, and you, as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, you cannot read Ray Franz's Crisis of Conscience. You cannot read it. If you read it, you could be disfellowshipped. Yeah. And if you are disfellowshipped, you are shunned by absolutely every single person you've ever met. And that includes your flat family. Wow. So I read Crisis of Conscience and that completely changed my life because it completely changed my belief system or or made me realize what my belief system is, was and what I was involved in with for a number of years since I was nine years old. And um, he is a very good writer or was because he's passed away. He was an excellent writer. A very humble man as well. How he wrote about what went on, you know, in with the leadership of Jehovah's Witnesses, and all the different things that have happened over over the years uh, with the lead, leadership, and even and how it's affected uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. He he was very humble about it. You know, he wasn't an angry person or somebody who was abusive. He was never, ever, always very respectful. And um, yeah, so he completely changed my my life. But it's it's the kind of book that unless you're one of Jehovah's Witnesses or were one of Jehovah's Witnesses, quite a few things might, you might miss the point of what's written there. But if you're not, because I've come across people were never Jehovah's Witnesses and read it and found it quite fascinating. And what they came to realize is that they've um, compared the writing or uh, the, the book, Crisis of Conscience, with other other, other or, or, um, um, mind control organizations that we refer to them as religions, but they're not, they're mind control organizations. Mm. And so he was, um, his book is a book that is um, read and talked about by uh, people who are experts in mind control organizations and cults. So, so it was a very, it was a fascinating book to read, very interesting, but of course, also it completely changed my life, you know. And now if you have this broadcasted, it will my life will change again, but I think I'm probably ready for that. <laughs> well, I mean, the the thing is, is that I thank you for sharing that because obviously it's far removed from your business life or whatever the case may be. And I've got my own personal views on religion because I'm not a religious person. And I, that's just me personally. I, for people who have religion and have faith, I think that's fantastic. 
Um, uh, and they, you know, more power to you if that's what makes you feel good and that works for you. Um, uh, I but, suppose- you know, it's actually, this has actually helped me even in business, you know, it has helped me in business in many ways. For instance, yesterday, um, I was at a lunch uh, organized by Christine Hall. It was a brilliant, brilliant event, beautifully organized. Um, and I was sat at the table next to a gentleman who was having, he was the only one who was just having a soft drink. So he's, he said that he's never, ever touched a drop of alcohol in his life. So I asked, I asked, why is there a, a, a special reason for that? And it turns out that he was a Mormon or he's a Mormon. And we talked a little bit about it. And um, because I was one of Jehovah's Witnesses, we, we used to have, we, we would have to read a little bit about other religions so that we knew how to talk to people and, and find some common ground. And because of that, of that experience, I was able to chat to him for quite some time and 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 just have i wouldn't say common ground but i think he was actually surprised that i knew so much about the mormon religion you know and 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 i was obviously respectful that he just couldn't touch alcohol whereas other people would probably put him under pressure to drink or to give it a try but i know that how important it is you know i i know i can't change someone's belief system you know i have to respect it and that's and and that's it so but everything everything is connected isn't it you know your belief so for instance now i've become an atheist uh so i i want nothing to do with any spiritual beliefs of any sort mm. but i am very very respectful and if anybody from any other belief system if i meet anybody from any other belief system um i'll be genuinely interested because it tells you a lot about that person you know their belief system so say for instance this, this gentleman who's a mormon one thing that tells me about him is that he's i'm never going to see him drunk at my event <laughs> you see? he, he won't be me. he won't be drunk yeah. and he won't be trying to snog another attendee no no <laughs> so um yeah so i think i think belief systems uh, religion and anything like that um can tell you a little bit about you know who the person is a little bit um so is it connected to business sometimes in a way it is connected to business it um, is because in some communities religion and business go hand, hand in hand together and people do a business with people who are of the same religion or same faith so i think it can be connected for some people um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it can be for some. For me, not so much at the end of the day. As I said, I'm not a religious person and I understand why some people might be, but people have to have to have their own path and how they choose to represent themselves. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So you also put down some very interesting films. <laughs> yeah, some real sort of quite sort of art house sort of cinema type left field cinema type classics you one of the key ones that you put down as far as i could see was the a film called the outsiders and yeah. I couple it together with, with rumblefish 
I know Rumblefish, not because of actually having seen the film, but because I know that the music was done by Stuart Copeland of the band The Police. Yeah, yeah, The Police, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, The Outsiders and Rumblefish was directed by Francis Ford Francis Coppola. Ford Coppola. Yeah, yeah. Coppola. So, um, uh, well, these two, these two films marked me as a teenager. And okay. of course, some cynics will be like, oh, it's because you were... You had a cr crush on Matt Dillon and Ralph <laughs> Macchio and all of this. Is that well, true? Not really. Oh, no. <laughs> well, yeah, it is true, but that's not the reason why I love these films. They, these films are very, they, they're actually very deep, very thought provoking. And when I was a teenager, I used to read books that you, most teenagers would probably not be interested in reading. So I had a very, I was a, a deep thinker. I mean, I was listening to Pink Floyd and 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 The Doors when I was fourteen. Oh, <laughs> heavy man, enjoyed the vision. Enjoyed the vision. So of course I was a deep thinker, and um, and and I I got it with with the the, the outsiders and with Rumblefish and and the um the relationship uh, that the characters had with one another. And of course they were all brilliant actors. Mm. Um. So yeah. I had to. I I had to think because I mean I love so many so many uh, films like on the waterfront. I nearly put that down. I can't remember if I put that down. Uh, no, you didn't. You but put, if I had to cut down you on to... <laughs> you know like two or three. <laughs> but you did mention what well, you mentioned about five, and I'm not going to go through all five. But one thing that did catch my eye was that there is one film that is consistently mentioned on the Cashflow Show. And that is The Godfather. <laughs> did I put The Godfather? Yes. I thought I put The Thin Red Line or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you did put that first. But then at the end of it, you put The Godfather. You yeah. put Outsiders, Rumblefish, The Thin Red Line, Birdie and The Godfather. Yeah, yeah. And as I said, because you chose The Godfather, that has appeared in so many episodes of The Cash Flow Show. It's unbelievable. It just keeps coming up. It just keeps but coming. But it teaches you the first, especially the first Godfather, really teaches you a lot about business. It, it does. The second one as well. Yes, it teaches you a lot about business, and the fact is, yes. it also teaches you a lot about loyalty. Exactly. And that's one that one problem that I have with business. There's lots of business people, but there are very few loyal business people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, people forget what 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 it is what's the quote um i'll make you a not um make you an offer you can't refuse was it keep your friends close but your enemies your closer enemies still closer yeah. yeah and um uh, when when somebody does something for for, for you you will definitely without it that you know uh, do something in return for that, I can't remember the quote no, the, the, that, that came from Marlon Brando. That's right, because basically the guy comes into him and says, you know, I want you to do such and such and such for me because to avenge my daughter because she's, yeah. she, you know, she's suffered at the hand of American justice. Yeah, And he yeah. says, you know, this is my daughter's wedding day and I will do you that favour. But in return, I will ask a favour from you. That day yeah. may never come. But if it does, and it did come, <laughs> it did come. Yes, it did. Yeah, because it, it was. It, yeah, it wasn't it the was it the Undertaker or something that he when his son died. That's correct. Then he came along and 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 uh, and fixed fixed his son fixed so up. that he didn't look so yeah. bad for you know because of his mom. Yeah. 
So I, do, I do remember. I've seen The Godfather 150,000 times. But it's a brilliant <laughs> film. It is a true, true classic film. So excellent. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Right. We are progressing at a rapid rate. So what I wanted to do was to come back to you at certain points. One of the things that you mentioned in your list of books was something that I didn't mention at the time. We touched on it briefly, which was Shakespeare. And you uh-huh. chose Hamlet. Madness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but what I wanted to correlate was the fact that you chose Shakespeare and Hamlet with your masters in English lit. Was there a, a, a correlation between those two things? Um, no. And I'll tell you why, because way before I did, um, I, I started my degree, um, I, I, when I was at college and my command of English was limited and, and I went to college cause I really wanted to improve my, my command of English. Um, one of the books that we had to read was Hamlet and I was petrified because, you know, how can a Portuguese speaking woman read Shakespeare? <laughs> so um, I, I think you need to find an English person, a speaking person that can read Hamlet. So what I did is I watched Mel Gibson's Hamlet okay. to help me understand what was going on and I think he was absolutely brilliant. I have since seen Hamlet with all sorts of actors and none of them get Hamlet the way Mel Gibson gets Hamlet. And I think because Mel Gibson in real life has a, a very Hamlet-ish way about him, mm-hmm. that madness, because he is slightly mad for different reasons mel gibson (laughs) yeah i think he's always played that character even when he was in lethal weapon it was that you know that that slight madness that edge of sort of not being quite there but he's a troubled person isn't he Uh, mel gibson is a troubled a troubled person so uh, when he read hamlet he really really got it a lot of people don't get it so I did write um, essays both at college and at university with my bachelor's and the master's. And, and, and I've always written in different ways, the different facets of um, Hamlet and madness, the different types of madness. When you play mad because you don't want people to figure out who you actually are because you're too scared to reveal yourself. When you're mad because you are mad. <laughs> okay. When you're mad, you know, there's different types of madness. And, and uh, or Hamlet is just uh, like a, a work of art. Indeed. It really is. Indeed. As I said, in terms of sort of knowing more about you, I, I did notice on LinkedIn that you'd also done some charity work. How did that come about? Charity work. Now, which one did I post it? I think this is the one where you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I think. I mean, as a, I'm just talking just generally uh, in terms of your. Well, I, first, I saw one specifically, but I wanted to talk about your charity right. work so generally. The first, I know that the first, and I can't remember what I've put put down on LinkedIn, but I remember the very first charity work I did was at college, and that was helping out with. Uh, people with learning difficulties. Uh, so it was just voluntary work to 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 support the um, learning difficulties department, and that could be helping people that couldn't even speak, 
or help people with dyslexia. And so I did that for about a year. Um, I have since done other bits here and there. You know, I, I'm not always doing uh, uh, charity work, volunteering for, for charity. But I do remember that very that the, the very first one that I did was that. We're coming towards the end of our conversation here on the Cash Flow Show. And so what we always try to do is find out how things are going to be moving forward for you, because things are becoming much more accessible for people who want to meet others in the business world, especially. How do you see things going forward for you and for the events that you do in the next 12 months? Um. I don't know. I find it quite hard to to actually plan ahead. What I would like to 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 see happen in in the next twelve months is to continue with the clients I have. I um, I have a set number of clients that um, I do a lot of work for, and that's my main income. With business networking events is basically my passion, my um, ambition. Uh, not necessarily for the money side of things, but I I just really want to be able to uh, um, uh, organize events for at least 30 people. If at least 30 people attend the events, that's great. The last time I organized an event, an event 35 showed up, which is great. That's a good number. Um, that's a good number. So I'd, I'd like that. I don't want the number to grow. I don't want to run really large events because otherwise that's just, um, it's no fun. It's not what I want. I would like my events to, to be a, a maximum of 35 people. Uh, if 40 come along, great, but it makes it harder for me to say hello to everybody properly. So that's what I that's what I see hopefully happening in the next 12 months to continue with the clients I have and to continue running business networking events with um, uh, at least a, a good number of interested people coming along and, and basically seeing, being able to connect people, to introduce uh, people to one another and to, to see that they're actually making business with that. I don't get commission out of um, introdu introducing people. I don't want commission. I just want to see it happen. We've talked a lot about this networking event or that you do. Where can people find it? I've got a website, www.citybusinessnetworking.com. It's quite long. So it's one long word, citybusinessnetworking.com. But also on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn as well, I keep putting posts out there. Uh, there's a group um, for people who attend the events. Um, but I, I'm constantly posting. I mean, today I posted a couple of, um, um, you know, a, a, a couple of posts. So how do people find you on LinkedIn? Well, my name and my very Portuguese surname, Garçao, Sandra Garçao. <laughs> but if they type... City Business Networking, they will more than likely find me and, and the group. So I, th I would say that it's quite easy to find me. One, because my name is unusual. <laughs> Don't worry, there'll be links in the show notes for people to find you if they can. And I was, uh, Garçao. I, I've, got, yeah. I've got to get this, yeah, I've got to get this Portuguese vibe right. Sandra Garçao. Yeah, you said it properly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying with this type of thing. As I said before, I'm not always pretty good at this, but I, I do try. So 
that's what people can find you. Sandra Gasau on LinkedIn. I'm a www.citybusinessnetworking.com. Uh-huh. Those two will get get people to your attention. Yep, yep. Brilliant. Yeah, and anybody can come along as long as you're in business or about to uh, get into business. Whereabouts are the events held? So, so the next... Um, I have changed venues. I don't always uh, run events in the same venue for different reasons, you know. The next one will be in the um, uh, Token House in Moorgate. Is that going to be your home going forward or...? It might, it might. But sometimes if I'm not too happy with the venue because it's either the food or something, I will move to another another venue. If I find a, a better venue, sometimes I like to try try out with venues um so so, therefore you you venue people if you are have a great venue and you want to try and see if you can lure sandra garcelle away from there um, and and you've got good food good wine i might even turn up and show me construct (laughs) my stuff um, I will turn up at one of your events eventually, so don't worry. You'll see me turn <laughs> up and make a <laughs> make a grand entrance. But you know, there's an opportunity there for people who are you know who have um event and good spaces and that want their um uh, to have some um up and coming and established businesses to be there. Then there's an opportunity for them. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Absolutely. So everyone's welcome. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So Sandra Garcelle, thank you very much for being on the Cash Flow Show. Really appreciate it. It's been um, a, a long time in the making. I've wanted to get you on board for a long time, and I really appreciate the way you were very prompt in coming back to me. That was really good. I I, I appreciate that. That was I like that. I like that kind of thing. Because people use sometimes go, Oh, I'm not so sure. I don't know whether I should. And I'm thinking, come on, man. You just just do I was it. looking forward to it. And so and I, was, I. I was I have to say I have been uh, invited to 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 be interviewed by other people and I said no because I wasn't very comfortable. But with you I knew I'd be okay. <laughs> so, thank you so much. It's been a, a an absolute pleasure and the privilege to be in your show i do listen to your shows and i think you're brilliant thank you, you very much on. thank you very much and i i and you know something it's nice to have that because when i see what you're doing in terms of bringing people together that's really important because a lot of people are very afraid at the moment and they need that confidence to get out there and grow their businesses and make connections. I've got people that I've been connected with with for nearly 20 years. And, you know, when they see me, it's, oh, Clayton, how are you? People who I've developed literally friendships with for 15, 20 years. So networking is not always just about selling to the next person you can find. No. Because you never know. Sometimes it's not you that needs the service. It's your next door neighbor. It's your cousin. It's your brother. It's your sister. It's, you know, it's your mum. It's your dad. You know, as I said, people that we know have done convincing work for my family. But because at the end of the day, I thought to myself, who do I know? I go into my LinkedIn, which is always my first port of call, and I pick somebody out. Yeah, That's how business is done. 
Yep, absolutely. Excellent. So, Sandra Garçal, I can now have to say, I'm going to keep saying it now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can keep saying it because it's fun to listen to someone uh, pronounce my, my surname. Not the easiest. <laughs> no, but that's brilliant. I mean, I thank you very much again. It's really, really, really greatly appreciated. You took the time, you took the energy, and even though you weren't well, you still made the effort, and, I, and I'm thankful no. for that. <laughs> So, no, that's fine. My pleasure. My so pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon and look forward to seeing you at the next event. Brilliant. Look for in fact I'm inviting you to be to come to my event as my guest. Okay, thank you. I will do. I will <laughs> I will definitely go because I'm in that networking mood now. So, um cash flow crew I will report back. I'm, uh, I might even report live from the event. So, um, Ooh, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about just setting up a microphone and saying, right, you people, I'm going to pull podcast live. So <laughs> let's, let's, let's That's see. That's what if... I was going to say. That I was going to suggest that you should be doing this on YouTube, like a, a YouTube channel oh yeah that's coming i think it'd be fantastic Th that's coming that's coming it's on oh, its it? way it's Brilliant. on its way it's Brilliant. on its way <laughs> on its way <laughs> so you take care and uh we'll speak again very soon you too clayton take okay. care all right then bye-bye We've come to the end of the cash flow show for today, but I would like to say thank you to our guests for taking the time to share their knowledge, wisdom, and insight. If you loved what you've heard on this week's episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts and leave a five-star review and feedback as it really does help. Whilst you're there, listen to some of our other episodes, which you are bound to enjoy. We want to make this the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world and spreading the word really is the best way to grow our show and our community to achieve greater things. Be sure to join us next time for real people, real business, real